Today's episode of Query is sponsored by America Inside Out. That's Katie Couric's new Nat Geo series. Yeah, Katie has been working hard making a new documentary series with National Geographic. It's called America Inside Out. In America Inside Out, Katie crisscrosses the country and sits down with people on the front lines of the most pivotal, contentious, and often confusing topics in American culture today. On her podcast, Katie and her co-host, Brian Goldsmith, are continuing the conversation, diving deep into topics like the debate over Confederate monuments, those should go down, and how big tech companies are messing with our brains. Again, please remove the Confederate monuments. <laughs> to hear Katie take on these items and other meaty topics, search Katie Couric on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. First of all, will you do me a favor? If you listen to this show on iTunes, will you leave me a review and also the Query Podcast a review? Oh, it helps me feel good. It helps me to feel good. Ooh, today on the show, we have Don Legans. Don is currently a spokesperson, spokespersoning around uh, for Planned Parenthood as Cecile Richards, president of Planned Parenthood. Ah. Don is currently spokespersoning around on behalf of Planned Parenthood as Planned Parenthood's president, Cecile Richards, has stepped down before Planned Parenthood has announced who their new uh, president will be. Don is the person that's out on the PR trail just talking about the organization. And I have done some work with Planned Parenthood in the past, and so – the organization got in touch with me and asked if I might want to talk to Dawn, who is also a member of the LGBT community, about her work with the organization and also just like give some good facts about what Planned Parenthood does. And that is what I am really hoping that my listeners will get out of this. What I love about Planned Parenthood is that they are filling a void that we need in this country. Uh, terrible information, wrong information is shared about the work that Planned Parenthood does. This is an organization I believe in and I am so happy to have Dawn on to come talk to you about what specifically the organization is doing to make LGBT folks feel more comfortable because your health, Queeros, is important to me. So enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Well, this is our first like 9 a.m. recording. I mean, this is just going to go into people's ears whatever time they are, but I'm just, I just want to say I'm really proud of myself for being here and I have clothes on. And so, like, congrats to both of us. She really does have I, clothes I'm, on. I'm like fully dressed. <laughs> I have brushed my teeth. So, this is great. And something I do on the show is I have guests introduce themselves. So, would you mind introducing yourself? Great. I'm Dawn Legans. I'm the executive vice president and the chief brand officer at Planned Parenthood Federation of America and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. Just hearing – is it weird that your job title just gave me goosebumps? I, I'm I'm such a supporter of the organization. I'm so excited that you were able to take some time out of 
what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to be here to talk to me today. Well, we're super appreciative to have the chance to talk to you, but also because I just have to shout you out, Cameron, that uh, you have not just invited me to be on your show, but you have shown up for Planned Parenthood and our patients and our providers whenever we've asked, and uh, it's really cool. You know, I just feel like, um, again, this is going to sound this is going to sound probably weird, but um, logically. I know that I need you and a lot of folks like me need you. And so it just seems like, how can you not? Again, I don't want to say something totally bonkers, but it just feels like uh, since you provide so much good care to so many folks uh, that, yeah, I'm here when you need me. Yeah, and you are like many people in America and around the world, actually, but because we have people who come for care actually from around the world and who come to our website, right, PlannedParenthood.org, uh, 72 million a year from all over the globe to get amazing information. But a lot of people think, hey, Planned Parenthood, is that controversial? For most of America, not controversial. For most of America, America's leading provider of sexual and reproductive health care for anyone who needs it without judgment, which is, of course, why people like you, people like me, so many people feel like Planned Parenthood is the place they turn from the minute they understand they need something uh, to be able to access. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think the, you know, it's so important to uh, frame it as healthcare when you and I talk to each other because uh, I'm probably the one breaking this to you. You probably don't know this as somebody who works at Planned Parenthood. Tell me, tell it me. It turns out sometimes politicians frame it as if it's like some sort of like fringe science that has like nothing to do with our bodies. But of course, like sexual health care is just health care. Like that this is just our biology. We're just taking care of our bodies. That's right. And I would add that, of course, Planned Parenthood, which many people don't know, has been around for over 100 years now. And the services we provide, which I hope we'll get to talk a little bit about because we have such a great array of services that help people to be healthy and live their dreams. The, the big idea, though, was your body is your own. And if it isn't, you can't be free and you can't be equal. And obviously that kind of started out as an idea around women, and I think Planned Parenthood is often you know, kind of put in the words with women. But actually, it really applies to all people and specifically people who have been denied that throughout history. And that is women. That is people of color. That's the LGBTQ community, right, are people who've been told your body is not your own, your pleasure is not your own. And that's kept us in some ways from being as free and as equal as we deserve to be. And Planned Parenthood uh, attacks that problem every single day through its care. Yeah, I mean that's 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 why I care about it. To be to be truly honest, I mean I have this is just my path. I have not had an abortion, and I'm not saying that to stigmatize abortion. I haven't, and I stand with Planned Parenthood because I have lived through my body being policed and my um, control over my body being policed just as a queer person. And so I feel that you know when I like look at who I am in solidarity with, it's like anybody else. Who falls in that category and so like that's why I'm such a strong advocate for abortion access like besides obviously knowing that access to abortion actually reduces abortion rates and like keeps people healthier around the topic of something that folks just need to do and will always need to do it's also just like I don't know I I, I like can't 
I can't tolerate anybody else being put in that position. So mm -hmm. I'm curious about your, like, how did you get into this work? Well, I, I often joke that, of course, I had to go to work for Planned Parenthood because I have identical triplet daughters. <laughs> but uh, that, that's not being fair to them. But I actually, I have been, uh, since I was very young, very sensitive to inequality and uh, inequity. And I actually started the student council in third grade because the playground rules were unfair to girls. And so I, I think it's kind of been in my blood, roll. right? What were the playground rules that were the, unfair? Okay, so here's the, what the crazy playground rules were. The boys had the entire field and where all uh -huh. the equipment was. Sure. And the girls had the cement part, which they somehow said the girls were safer on cement. And I'm like, well, if you fall on cement, you're going to get a lot worse banged up than if you Absolutely. fall. And so then what they agreed to was that they would divide the, you know, half of the grass and half of the cement for the girls and half for the boys. And then, of course, the minute they did that, we all just played together as it should be. Wow. You, are you meaning to tell me that the, the young girls, that they wanted to, like, move around and use their bodies? Like, they that did. they weren't just, like, standing on the cement they did. reading we were all not, together? Yeah. yeah. We, were, like, we were not just going to play only tetherball, whatever <laughs> right. it was, right? Well, how old yeah. were you when that was uh, happening? Third grade. Yeah, so, you were, know, like, like, eight or something. Already an know. activist. Okay, cool. That's amazing. And my, uh, my parents would probably say I came out talking with a big mouth, so maybe I was destined for this. And then I have always been involved in politics. I worked against David Duke. I'm from New Orleans and uh, worked on, when he ran for office uh, to beat him back. And then Wait, he like keeps how, coming what back. Age? What age is that? I was in my 20s and uh, had, had the opportunity to, you know, actually debate the guy and wow, really? have to, you know, stand up to. It was crazy because, of course, our organization, if you can believe it, was called the Louisiana Coalition Against Racism and Nazism. And David Duke is, of course, a racist Nazius. Sure, yes, <laughs> right. Sure. But also, like, what is what is his title? Is he the something? Oh, he used to be the Grand, the Grand Wizard, Wizard, I think. Of the but then he, um, you know, was a state legislator right. in Louisiana, and then he ran for the U.S. Senate and he ran for governor. And I worked against him both of those times, what? and I was so lucky growing up in New Orleans to be raised by some of the greatest social justice activists there are in the in the universe and is that your parents or is that other folks in the community oh i mean my parents were were obviously a big influence but really other people in the community a, a woman named barbara major who used to run uh, a lot of the housing development activism in new orleans uh some of the people at the um who were very involved, Helen Prejean in the death row ministry. Sure. I mean, these great, great activists who come out of the South, of course, because uh, there's a lot of stuff to be activist about. So, like, how are you even getting to that point? Like, how, how are you in a position where you know, like, what to look for or that these folks are around you? Like, how are you identifying those people? In your life, you're 10, and then you're working with, like, what's the gap in there? Yeah, I was older than 11 by then, but uh, <laughs> I did go ahead and go to high school, and I had been very active in, you know, I was I was the kind of person who, I guess, liked to get elected or whatever. Sure. Because I was so you're, like, running for student council student kind of thing? Student council president and then the speaker of the student assembly at LSU and different things like that. And then I went back to New Orleans where I was actually helping run a foundation in New Orleans. And through that foundation, I was helping to support and work with all of these great activists by 
helping put both money and people to work with them to do their important jobs. And so I was able to meet them. And then through that, I migrated into politics more directly and being a, a, somebody who wanted to help win campaigns and help get great people elected. And through that, then I ended up in Washington, D.C., Mecca for people right. who like that kind of thing, I guess. Sure. And uh, I ran a firm. I had my own media and strategy firm. And then I ended up uh, working with Planned Parenthood and eventually coming in to uh, do that full time because I believed so deeply in what Cecile Richards, my both friend and the president of Planned Parenthood, was doing. And because we saw the way that our rights were being threatened and I knew I had to dive deep. Cecile's pretty dang cool, huh? So cool. I have, like, made her laugh, which made, which made me feel really good. She's, like, out there. I, I mean, for the— I don't want to depress you or anything, no. but, you know, she's easy with a laugh. I was going to say— She's from Texas. I was going to say, uh, for, like, the amount of uh, nonsense that she seems to be, uh, take, like, uh, taken on for yeah. the last bunch of years— Pretty upbeat gal, <laughs> pretty upbeat, pretty upbeat woman, um, and yeah, just getting to make somebody laugh. Who? Well, not because I think I'm such a genius. I mean, I am a genius, but more so just like wanting to give somebody that opportunity who so often has to is like in a situation of being berated or something like that. Just like, hey man, let's hang out. Let's uh, let's joke around together. Yeah, Feels one of like the great relief. great things if I can just say about her. Obviously, she's finished up her tenure here at Planned Parenthood yes. and has made an unbelievable um, contribution to where we are and the strength and the position we're in to actually, I think, ultimately reach our goal. Even if we have to face setbacks, that's the nature of these things. When you're about to reach your goal, somebody's going to push back. But one of the great parts that many people haven't gotten to see about Cecile is, you know, they see her in front of Congress or in the media. But where I got to see her a lot was with the clinicians who open up our health centers every single day with our patients and with our youth activists. And we have such a huge, huge, huge number of young people who are involved with Planned Parenthood, both as patients and as supporters and activists. And she loves people in that way and uh, gave so much time and so much energy to make sure they knew that and that she would never let them down. And it was pretty inspiring. Yeah, I could tell that right away. I mean, I, I will say, you know, um, I meet a lot of people doing my job. And just her being able to, like, shake my hand, say my name, spend a minute with me, looking in my eyes and asking me how I'm doing, remembering some stuff. Yeah. That's a whole thing. And it doesn't come off as forced at all. Like, you can tell it's really what's happening for her. So I think that that does matter when you're – obviously when you're uh, – Representing an organization that is so personal. I mean, our bodies are our bodies are pretty personal things. So just having like that ability to to hang with people, yeah. it seems like that matters, right? Yeah, and for for and that's providers exactly too. what our providers do. Right? I was You're just, just going to the right say. place, which is that's the DNA of Planned Parenthood, right? Which is the ability to be with people and to sometimes say, look, this is not news you were hoping for, but this is the news. And so now what are we going to do about it? And to kind of hold hands with them and walk forward. And I always say, we're not a lifeboat. We're not, you know, just pulling people up who are drowning and that kind of old, weird, I don't know, some kind of noblesse oblige thing. We're a ladder and people are climbing it. Whether we were there or not, they are 
on the move. And what our job is is to stand by that ladder and put a steady hand on it and put the other hand, you know, when, you, when you're climbing the ladder, you hope a friend, if you miss a rung, just has a hand there to help you not miss five rungs, but right. just keep going. And, and that's how I think of Planned Parenthood. That makes a lot of sense. Well, because I, I think about something like keeping people, keeping people at work, for instance. Somebody has somebody come up with their health, especially women who are already making less. And then if you take it further in an intersection, right. it's a woman of color. And she's, you know, she just needs to keep that job where she's already at a deficit. And in order to keep that job, she needs like easy care or available care, like care. Full stop. And I know that something we were talking about right before we came in here was um, like the types of populations that you serve, which maybe don't have anywhere else to go geographically or um, other barriers to entry like cost. Yeah. Well, let's let's just hit on the first point that you made and be reminded that birth control is – uh, really, really core to I knew many people. I wanted us to go there because this is amazing. Many go. people's yes. <laughs> ability to participate, and and not just women. Obviously, anyone who can get pregnant's ability to participate and thrive. Yes, in the workplace, in their education, uh, their health. In their community, you know, I I do say the body is the original democracy. Whether you're (laughs) voting, you know, whether you're walking into a health center or you're walking into a voting booth, you're you're voting on your future uh, by by what those kind of choices. And there's so much uh, statistical proof. I don't want to bore people with statistics, but it's very clear that for for example, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial women who own small businesses, especially uh, women of color who own small businesses, say that birth control was absolutely foundational, fundamental to their ability to have that business and take care of their family. And we also know that one of the very, very top reasons, if not the top reason, that young people don't finish college uh, or finish high school, I'm sorry, is that they get pregnant before they plan to. And so uh, all of these things are the kind of foundation of being able to make important life choices. Now, who Planned Parenthood serves? One, we're open to anybody, right? We don't ask anybody, like, hey, what are your politics? Or what are your, you know, what? <laughs> no, no judgment is kind of our basic thing. Uh, about 50%, just like America, of our patients are people of color. We are half of our health centers. We have over 600 health centers are in rural or underserved areas. In something that may be especially interesting to our listeners today is in 44 states, we uh, provide PrEP, which helps people, of course, avoid HIV. And in 20 states, we now have uh, providing uh, hormone therapy to our trans patients, and that is growing every single month and year in terms of our expanding those services. So really, we hit a very, very wide uh, swath of the American population. One in five women say they've been to Planned Parenthood. A recent study that we did among our own patients suggested that up to 20% of our patients identify as LGBTQ. I mean, that doesn't, su- that doesn't surprise me at all. And in fact, I would want that number to grow because I think Something that's true about the queer community is we often fall out of medical care because our, we are so shamed by um, either the sex that we engage in um, that is like consensual and totally healthy, but just two people with penises, you know, like 
um, or any variation of, of what's happening for queer folks, um, or like have a discomfort with our bodies and way, around the way our bodies are patrolled. And that can happen to so many different types of queer folks for like so many different reasons. And that's why when I had the opportunity to like talk to you today, I knew specifically for folks that listen to this, like what I wanted to impart is that this is a place that you should be able to go. This is a place you can go. Um, hopefully, geographically, there's an option for you um, where those things can fall away. Like I just want you yeah. to take care of yourself, listeners, and those prior experiences that you may have had, like I want to recommend that this is an option that yeah. could fall outside of that. Every, every single Planned Parenthood uh, health center is ready and excited to provide care to the people listening to this show and to all people, but specifically to people who have had bad interactions with the healthcare system. I think Planned Parenthood is an oasis in terms of coming there and being able to talk to somebody who actually knows what you need. We had a patient, uh, we just recently expanded services in both uh, for the LGBTQ community, both in North Carolina and Kentucky, right? So really looking at places where maybe it's especially hard. Uh, and, you know, and I don't want to diss California where we're sitting in any way, <laughs> shape or form, but, you know, maybe there are some places where it's easier versus harder to get care. And so I'm particularly excited when we are able to expand care. And we had a patient recently, uh, a trans patient, who said, it's the first place I've ever gone where my health care provider actually knew more about my health care needs than I did in that's, terms of that's medical yeah, that's, uh, stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's what we would want. It's scary, right? but that's true. What we would want. No, like, that right. is what we would want, is that the doctor or provider would have more information about healthcare, our bodies, our right, health care, right. than we would. Uh, that makes logical sense. I, I think... You know, the other thing that I find is that, like, through all my travels as a stand-up, that, um, like, queer folks are everywhere. And sometimes in places that one would not immediately think, like the North Carolinas, um, it's like this really vibrant, strong community because it has had to, uh, like, folks have to protect each other and come together. That's like, those are where gay bars mm -hmm. still exist. There's a connection there where... Um, Folks that need it, like in a red state, uh, need that safety and protection. They're, they have that option. And so even there, where there's like this tight-knit community, again, that can be like a whole community not really getting services if they right. don't know what to do. So it's like here in California, I feel that um, my queer community is a little bit more nebulous. I have a lot of queer friends, a lot of straight friends. It's not like this super tight-knit place where we go to this gay bar, you know, and we don't have that. We have a lot of options for care. So I think um, sometimes what you're talking about is like an entire population falling off, you know, where like if, you're, if your group of friends doesn't know where to go. So anyway, right. what I'm well, saying is I, if you've got myself this, yeah. as uh, a member of the LGBTQ community in yeah. New Orleans, I, I can totally, and I'm of a certain age where I can particularly remember back to, you know, being a very small, tight-knit uh, community, right. starting some of the original kind of gay equality groups, right? All of those, that era. And absolutely, nobody was, I mean, one, if we were getting any sex ed, believe me, they weren't telling you anything about our sex oh, yeah, or, of course. or our yeah. bodies or absolutely. acknowledging that either, you know, my kids, my wife and I have, as I mentioned, triplets uh, who are now uh, in their off to college age. But, you know, they didn't grow up uh, with a ton of people saying, 
you know, let's talk about your family and include your family or let's talk about for uh, your gay or lesbian or bi or trans friends what might be going on for them with their body and their emotions. So it's um, also today kids just get terrible, overall terrible sex ed. And kids who are LGBTQ, forget it. It's even worse. Yeah, that that is something that I uh, do a lot of speaking about because I had I had um, I went to Catholic school, and so I had a very strange version of like abstinence education where we learned just like a teeny bit about our bodies. I don't know that anybody ever said to me um, like absolutely no sex, but it was so scary. You know, it was like a very I mean, I certainly didn't learn – like, I didn't learn how to not become pregnant at all. We didn't even do the, like, condom on the banana thing that is also probably pretty unhelpful. We did not do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't learn any of that. And um, as a result, something that I know is that a lot of – there was a lot of talk in my high school about women that were getting abortions – and they just had like no support. So it was like there was no introduction of like here's how one could prevent pregnancy. Like that didn't happen. And then, you know, it was like 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds going and to wherever by themselves kind of a thing. And so I think about also how isolating all of that is and, and just and like introducing it. Oh, yeah. No, go uh, ahead. No, no. That's exactly what Americans don't want people to be uh, – a, not having access to safe and legal services, right. right? The vast majority of people in this country, again, not only support Planned Parenthood, but they support Roe v. Wade, uh, the right to a safe, legal abortion in this country. And they want people to be supported. They don't want people who have abortion to be ostracized or left left out. And what we know is that, you know, on all kinds of measures, everything the Trump administration is doing right now is absolutely an attack on basically what most people in this country believe. One, we know for the LGBTQ community, they are really attacking, and of course, on uh, trans community in particular, but trying to roll back participation to leave uh, trans health care out of their proposals. We know that in terms of uh, sexual and reproductive health, they are attacking on all fronts, one of the worst ones being that they are trying to decimate Title X, which is the uh, program that pr provides access to birth control and other uh, health care services to low-income people in this country. They are pressing what they're calling sexual risk avoidance, which is abstinence yes. only. They're pressing the rhythm method, which fine if people want to use that, but at the expense of letting people know what are other more effective forms and supporting access to those. It's really unbelievable, especially at a moment in time in this country where we are at the lowest unintended pregnancy rate, the lowest teen pregnancy rate, the lowest abortion rate. You know, things are working in terms of people getting access to the uh, birth control and preventive, preventive mechanisms that they need, um, and now they want to roll that back. And of course, on abortion, they are just making it impossible by throwing up roadblock after roadblock yeah. for people. Uh, and that never affects anybody, honestly, who very much who's wealthy and can, you know, have other choices. But it is decimating uh, access in many states across this country. Absolutely. 
continues a cycle of poverty or um, like under education, what I don't know, the unstigmatized way of saying that, like not being able, like, you know, the parent isn't able to right. continue through high school. And so then the child doesn't have a model that finished high school kind of a thing. Um, but also... Well, mostly it's just about saying we don't trust women. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And we want to build up, you know, I, I we've been talking about how at this moment, it, it really does seem, you know, there's this uh, wobbling patriarchy mm-hmm. and what a whole bunch of people limited, but at least some of them, and many of them, unfortunately, elected officials because of our system, who are trying to build walls anywhere they can to hold it up. And that is walls along the border, walls around women's bodies, walls around trans people, you know, anything they can do to prop up a system that clearly benefits some people and disbenefits that's, some others. That's exactly what I'm trying to say, is that it it it, it continues a like it just removes any possibility for bootstraps. <laughs> like we're we're sold in this country this idea that one can pull oneself up, but you know not this part of the population because of the way their bodies happen to be built. Like sorry, mm-hmm. you don't get to participate in that. And I would also say that, and I don't even you know for when I think about the other effects of what you're talking about, I also think about the huge um, cost. On our mental health, you know, if if we are separated further from our bodies, and if we are, and if getting care is more stigmatized, and if there's all these barriers, we're driving across state lines, you know, things like that. Um, that has such a toll on your mental health to to continue to be able to continue to like have successful relationships, to feel like you can value yourself, and then to not get yourself. And then to to get yourself into a better place as you continue in life. I mean, like interpersonally, all of it. I mean, I just think it's the way we are separated from our bodies as as queer people. I think about this all the time. You know, then we you have to live in that body for the rest of your life. So anybody that's being separated from their body the way that you're talking about um, this administration doing it's it has the toll on things like the abortion rate, but it also has the toll on like the way we feel about ourselves, the way we feel about about the things that we have done to keep ourselves healthy. And um, that just sucks to me. Like there's there's no way around saying that. I think you've just crossed over from comedian to philosopher there. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I'm very is, serious yes. all the time. You should, comics are the most serious people in the I world. If, you, if you're serious it. about joking around, um, you're really serious. But, but, but it's such an important point to make and, again, goes back to that big idea that's at the heart of Planned Parenthood of your body is your own. And if it isn't, you can't be free and you can't be equal. And I, I think it's such an important idea. And, you know, we're sitting out here in the heart of where so much amazing uh, conversation started and the Me Too movement, right, and the Time's Up conversation. And one of the things that I hope people are understanding as we talk about Me Too and Time's Up and we talk about attacks on sexual and reproductive health and we talk about attacks on the <clears throat> LGBTQ community, that these are not unrelated things. And I, I do worry sometimes that, you know, we, we look at this bucket and this bucket and that bucket of things, and we don't actually put them all together to say this part of a system that is being promulgated against all of us. Absolutely. And, you know, you can't, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can't actually get to your job, if you can't actually keep your job, um, we can't also solve you being harassed at your job. You won't have even made it there. 
And so those are all interconnected pieces of this puzzle, and we've got to all of us keep talking about all of them. Absolutely. I mean, and this is, again, not statistical, but anecdotal. I mean, for me, I never had sex ed, and I'm a survivor of sexual assault. And those things for me are completely linked in my in the way that it was experienced for me, because I didn't know that I had full agency over my body or like what to look for from somebody else that like what respect might feel like because I had no training in that area. And so I also think when I talk about mental health, I talk about like the the vulnerability that a lack of information creates and then like that vulnerability can be exploited and that's what we're talking about in Me Too and Time's mm-hmm. Up is like the like the folks that are taking that opportunity seeing who's who around them might not be able to protect themselves either because there's a huge power differential right. or because like that person just didn't get great info. Right. And um you know what 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 something like Planned Parenthood is doing, like you said, people are visiting your website. I mean, I'm sure you're, I'm sure it's because your website is amazing, but also right. if that many people are visiting your website, it's also because they don't have a ton of options That's right. for information. Right. 72 million people are coming because they have questions. It's not like because it's they, the greatest uh, website in well, the world. It and it is. is a great website. And let me just say yeah. something about it. We, we just recently <laughs> redid it where um, – Everything is presented in a gender-neutral frame. That's and amazing. So that, I think, is amazing and wonderful. Also want to talk about some of the other innovations because that's very important. You know, we have, as we talked about, the amazing clinicians who are on the ground every day, opening up the door, seeing 8,000 people every single day. But we also, or and, we also have Spot On, which is our oh, uh, yeah, period, period tracker. tracker, which, again, gender-neutral. Anyone who has a period works for you. It's not, you know, uh, either, uh, you know, too many butterflies or too many tr- – it, right, it's right, just right. for everybody, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and, there's no tiara yeah, on the app. There's no, no tiara. And even though I love a good tiara. Who doesn't love a but, tiara? I mean, right? So maybe we have to th- rethink the tiara. Maybe you should put a tiara in there. Today's episode of Query is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Choose from three plans, including classic, veggie, and family. Ooh, there's a whole veggie plan. That's where your Cami Esposito would go. Each box is delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. They made of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. Plus, each recipe comes outlined on a picture, step-by-step instruction card, so you can feel confident knowing what you're cooking as you go through. Oh, and by the way, there are even lots of one-pot recipes that require minimal cleanup. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash Query30 and enter the code Query30. That's HelloFresh.com Query30 and offer code Query30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Hey, Queeros, today's episode of Query is sponsored by Tomboy X. I love my Tomboy X undies. Yeah, because they're super cozy. And guess what? Tomboy X now has some new gender-neutral underwear that is also available in, like, neutral colors. That's right, like a bunch of nude underwear available for different skin tones. That's Tomboy X's new Tomboy X neutral line. (laughs) What? 
now they've got a bunch of different nude shades. Yeah, they do. And those are added to like, there are already a bunch of different options in terms of like colors and, oh, it turns out cuts. Like you can get bralettes or bikinis or boy shorts or boxer briefs. Plus they've got sizes extra small to 4X. Tomboy X has got you covered no matter where you fall on the size or gender spectrum. They also use micromodal fabric and it's really cozy. So head on over to Tomboy X slash Query Neutral. When you order your neutrals, I have mine. Don't order some for me. I already have them. Enter Query Neutral to get an extra 15% off. Again, that's TomboyX.com slash Query Neutral and enter Query Neutral for 15% off. There's also, we just had our millionth text chat uh, which is a program we have for teens where they can actually, in the middle of, you know, the night at that moment when you're like, oh, my gosh, when you actually are freaking out, which doesn't always happen between 9 and 5, you can actually text with someone who is going to help answer that question, get you to care. We have uh, the launch of our Planned Parenthood Direct app, which is going to allow people to get birth control STD uh, testing and treatment and some other kinds of healthcare services directly via phone so that they never even have to come to a health center. Obviously, we want you to come if you need to. So every time they throw up a barrier, Planned Parenthood is innovating to find a way to get it to you, you know, over it, around it, under it, through it. And we have our advocacy work, which is really intended to say we need to get rid of a government and politicians who want to put barriers up. Hopefully one day we won't have to go over and around it, under it, through it. We'll just get to go to it. Yeah, and, wouldn't and that that's be our, amazing? That's our goal. I think that's what I meant to say was like um, it seems that you are called upon to fill a larger void than I wish you had to. Obviously you're doing a great job at that, but like I wish that this wasn't something where um, it always felt in opposition to something like that it was just a part of our lives the way that um again this is going to sound really radical like roads it's almost like we all need roads <laughs> so we all have bodies it's almost like we all need health care obviously there are still some folks that just don't want to pay taxes and make roads but um you know when i think about what what you do it's these are things that are so much a part of our daily life i it seems that Planned Parenthood is called upon i would say too much and uh yeah, in some ways that's really true, but in uh, but we also feel so proud to be able to do it. And you know, people say, "Oh, I don't know how you do it." I say, "I can't imagine doing anything else right now." And of course, just since the election, we've had two million more people uh, join with Planned Parenthood. And I will put in a plug if you want to um, kind of get more information and get involved. You can uh, text "defend" to two two four two two. So defend to 22422, and we will not overwhelm you with texts and things. You can kind of set it up how you want, but it's a way to understand both how to get access to care, but also how to fight for that care for other people. And so uh, 350,000 of those new 2 million people are young people, the majority of them young people of color. So we're also changing the movement. And I often like to say that we could just as easily be called planned powerhood. (laughs) <laughs> both for yeah. both for what we are providing in our health centers because it's a certain kind of power that people walk out of there with and then apply that to the rest of their lives, to the things that you were saying, and Planned Powerhood in terms of how we are building a movement and working with other movements in order to 
change this country so that everyone has the shot at their dreams they deserve. And that really powers us every single day in everything we do. So when you're asking for folks to help or, or the, the part of that that's help, what is that um, like financial support? Is that showing up for events? Like what does that look like for Planned Parenthood? Yeah, all of those things. Obviously, um, we appreciate donations because that helps us to both provide care and to engage more people in fighting for it. Can I stop but, and just ask yeah. real quick, like what is your funding like? Can you say that to folks that are listening? Yes. Funding, there's, there's two different kind of parts of Planned Parenthood, if you will. Obviously, in terms of the health care, we're just like your normal health care provider, uh, whether it's Medicaid insurance or Kaiser or Cigna or any of those other insurers, we get reimbursed uh, for the care that we provide. Now, unfortunately, when you're talking about Medicaid and, and uh, other public programs, often that reimbursement is way lower than the cost of give, getting care. But Planned Parenthood doesn't get a publisher's clearinghouse check every year or something like that. We submit to reimburse, get reimbursed for the care that we provide. We also raise money from donors to help supplement and pay for and cover those gaps or to help people who don't have expanded access to Medicaid and to pay for education programs and those kinds of things. And then at the national office, of course, we don't uh, directly provide care. Our health centers do. We are totally supported by donations. And so uh, a lot of that work, the education and advocacy you see, is totally donor-supported. I I feel (laughs) like that's a really important uh, thing for folks to just know, like all of that breakdown when we, when again, I, I talk about. Yeah, people, because opponents, of course, like to confuse people and like to say uh, all kinds of things about funding. But the, the reality is there's so much more we can do and ought to be able to do. And it has to be in partnership with our public health system in this country, which is not set up right now to do that. So that's one of the things we're advocating to change. But there are lots of other ways that people can, of course, get involved. And uh, that's being part of our Defender program, which rushes people to the barricades, so to speak, when there is an attack either in their state or another state. You can plug into everything from textathons to uh, phone uh, banking from wherever you are to showing up at rallies or town halls to getting more involved in our leadership training to running for office, which uh, we like to see people, of course, who are supporters of the things that we believe in to get out there like 34,000 uh, people, I think, have called Emily's List, for example, the great organization that supports women candidates or the uh, task force or other in the LGBTQ community. We see trans uh, folks running like Danica Rome in Virginia who just won a seat in the state legislature. So it is a time, even though we, we talked a lot about, oh, all the attacks and everything, I think it's a huge, huge moment in this country where people are both waking up, but waking up together in a new way and really pressing forward for the view of this country that they want. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with you there. Part of it, I wonder, is, I mean, I, I would imagine that, that it has to affect your work also, that something like social media has changed the way that we can talk to each other so much that folks, again, if, if Planned Parenthood is the kind of organization that benefits from real information as opposed to um, what is being disseminated by opponents, then it feels like a time right now where you can like 
connect directly with folks would would benefit something like Planned Parenthood where you're talking about new supporters coming on. Well, I mean like young people having the uh, pathway to just even figure out how to support. Like they don't have to go to a Planned Parenthood location because they can do it on their phones and then figure out where to show up. Um, that seems really right. It's important. a huge uh, benefit, right? That kind of decentralized opportunity for activism that we're in at this yeah. moment, and so absolutely, social media has been a huge part of that. Any way that people can do peer-to-peer organizing, which is so so important, and kind of it's such a DIY generation of activists that mm-hmm. we're seeing across the board, and so our job's kind of to get out of the way. Like, here's tools, here's information. <laughs> cool. uh, you know, not try and control them, not try and over-organize them, but to say, yeah, here's the facts, here's the problem, go to it. Now, on the other side of the equation, of course, though, we know that some of the issues with social media and some of the algorithms, right, that we've been all reading about and privacy and all that, but the algorithms are really set up to support outrageous fake news. And so that's how you know, opponents and and folks uh, launch attacks on all kinds of things and all kinds of people in ways that are inflammatory and fake. The benefit of Planned Parenthood, of course, is that trusted for a hundred years as a healthcare provider and an advocate for people having their best full lives. I think we stand out in the fray of all that as a trusted, fact-providing um, thought provoking, thought-providing organization. And so one of the great things is there was, I'm sure they hated having to report this, but Fox News recently did a poll. And of course, Planned Parenthood came out at the very top as the most (laughs) trusted uh, person to get this kind of information from. Not just healthcare information, but information about what's going on in policy and politics. Wow. Because, okay, hey, 100 years of trust. Sure. that's, That's important. Absolutely. I also, I mean, this is just me guessing at something, but is there another organization, like, in terms of the type of care that you provide, more people, I'm just, this is a guess, like, more people see a Planned Parenthood affiliate than any other, like, chain of provider in the in the same field. Like, because other than that, it might be more like a doctor, regional that, or yeah, local doctor, or, that, or right. like a healthcare system that, like Kaiser Permanente right. here or something, but like Planned Parenthood being linked yeah. and countrywide. So many folks also have the personal experience, so it's not just like um, it's not just a hundred years of you existing, but it's a hundred years of folks telling each other that you exist yeah, and exactly. about the experiences. That and they had. one in five, again, one in five women in particular, saying that they have been to or touched by Planned Parenthood. And actually, a recent survey came out that said that was an even higher percentage. And so we know that, right, it's a lot of word of mouth. I mean, Planned Parenthood isn't running, you know, giant ad campaigns. Uh, You know, (laughs) I mean, we try to let people know, hey, we've got appointments. We have a great online appointment scheduling system and, you know, make them aware of what services are available and and the kind of, again, non-judgmental care that they can get. And as we expand, again, to provide uh, PrEP and hormone therapy, making sure that our LGBTQ community actually knows that this is available. Of course, we do that. But, you know, 
it really is a word of mouth operation and being in communities. And you're right, there is no other system that people can look at and say consistently across the country, pretty much in every state in the country and within about a 30 minute drive of most people in this country, they can get to a Planned Parenthood health center. And that Planned Parenthood health center wants them, cares about them, and will never give up on them. And that is not something every healthcare provider in America can say. And, you know, we really um, believe that uh, the stigmatization of sex and sexuality and reproductive health is one of the most important things that we have to tackle, again, in our pursuit of freedom and equality. Heard. Agreed. We're on the same page about that. What, what do you think – and maybe – I don't know if the answer is going to be nothing. What do you think Planned Parenthood needs to work on? Well, we're, we're always working on things. I mean, one of the things that I think we continue to work on is research for more and more effective ways to have contraceptives and to deliver them. I think that uh, we recently participated in a study that uh, made it possible for people to come and take home uh, a year supply of self-injectable depot oh, shots. Oh, right. I heard about and, this. You know, so the more and more that we can meet people where they are, give them control of, of their own care and their own decision-making, help them. You know, what we do is we do not push people toward this is what you should do. We say these are what is, this is what's available around the thing that you're concerned about or interested in. And here are the ups and downs of them and um, how can we help you make that decision? But the more that we can put that in the hands of people, I think that's really, really important. Uh, I think we can continue to figure out the ways that technology will constantly be expanding uh, what's possible in terms of, you know, getting people care, uh, again, continuing to make sure that our movement looks like all of America. That's something we're always focusing on. And, make, and again, I've been very pleased that uh, we have both an amazing staff that is uh, diverse and demanding, and also we have so many amazing new young leaders and young leaders of color who are taking their place. You know, they're, again, they're not asking permission. They're like, uh, scoot over, we're driving. And we just have to, as, as leaders who've been building this, uh, listen. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that's kind of where a lot of uh, organizations that have been around for 100 years, one has to imagine that uh, some folks that are now participating probably weren't participating 100 years ago. Because Including of, me, by the way. Yeah. I may be old, but no, I'm No, you're old. such a young person. You weren't there. <laughs> Today's episode of Query is sponsored by Sugar Bear Hair. Hey, uh, do you like healthy, shiny hair? Oh, you know what? Me too. Uh, that's why I have such great hair. Sugar Bear hair is hair vitamins. What? Delivered as little gummy bears that are blue to your house. Yeah, they're like a uh, little sweet, delicious candy, and they've got the juice of real berries, but they also contain like everything you need to grow stronger hair, and healthier hair, 
And they can, like, also work on your nails over time. Anyway, um, I have tried these. They do taste very delicious. And Rhea has to tell me to stop eating them because that is not the recommended dosage. I will report back when I see whether or not they have hair effects. But, like, give it a shot. At the very least, you're going to be eating delicious little hair gummy bears because they've got as much vitamin A as four cups of broccoli, as much vitamin C as a cup of cranberries, and as much B12 as four organic eggs. That's like so much eggs. To try Sugar Bear Hair, go to sugarbearhair.com slash query for beautiful hair and a healthier you. That's sugarbearhair.com slash query, sugarbearhair.com slash query. Right. Um, so how did how did plant I'm so curious about and this, you know, this is probably like this isn't one answer. This is probably over a period of time. But like how did Planned Parenthood work towards including more LGBT folks or care that was more inclusive? Because I can imagine, you know, you of course, when we, when when this organization started out, that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a factor. We weren't talking about it the same way. Um, so now. Like, how, how, how does Planned Parenthood work in just that area specifically? I'm just curious if there is anything to be said there. Uh, at various points, I mean, let's just say that Planned Parenthood, I think, succeeds and continues to make progress and be relevant because, one, we are kind of a youth brand, right? We're The most people who see us are between 18 and 29. Um, the most young people who get education from us are between about 15 and 18, and by putting the patient at the center always and listening to what their needs are, as society opened up and began to crack open a little bit, I mean, I'm 100 percent sure that even 101 years ago, some of our earliest patients were uh, LGBTQ, Absolutely. right? And so we have to say it wasn't that they weren't always there. It was they may not have always been foregrounded in the way that we're able to do that today. And so by listening to the needs of patients and listening beyond their words, and I think that's where our, our clinicians are so especially skillful, is of course to make space for the words, but also to look and hear with other senses what's going on for people. We learned, people told us, great, you know, uh, Things have come forward in terms of things like PrEP, right? And Planned Parenthood has always prided itself on taking the best medicine and whether it would be, quote, you know, good for Planned Parenthood or not or what, whatever, you know, fewer people might come because you only have to get a um, PAP test once every three years, not every year. Planned Parenthood was the first healthcare provider that said, great, that's the new guideline. That's what we do. And we help drag the system we see that as a role that we play, dragging the system to do what is best for the patient, not for an industry or the healthcare industry. And so I think that's an important thing. And so similarly, um, if our patients say this is what they need, that's what we do. That seems like an approach that a lot of – like every industry would maybe benefit from is um, connecting with – the terminology and the, the way that young folks are talking because obviously changes happen over time. There is no part of me that thinks like queer folks weren't a part of our uh, 
history since forever. But when we talk about like, I mean, I hear this in stand-up sometimes. So I can't even imagine like the sort of medical industry digging in. You know, I hear comics. You must hear this too. Mm-hmm. People like railing against PC culture, just like, ugh, why do I have to like use these words? And I wrote this joke seventy-two years ago, and like, this is the joke I tell. And I'm, and I always, my answer to that is like, man, don't you want to be like good enough at this job that your jokes work now? Like, did you, you thought you wrote like one set and that was going to be it? Cause that seems like maybe you're not really good at this. You know, like maybe you should like that. Maybe you should like redouble your efforts to like commit yourself to being good enough to uh, like write a a joke for today. And then for three weeks from now, those jokes might not even be the same. I think it's, it's also turning it on its head. Uh, I, I love the point you've just made about maybe they could actually just work harder, but also it seems like what they're saying is, I would prefer to make a choice that's hurtful and exclusionary. Yeah. And that that just well that definitely not planned parenthood. We're sure. always going right. to make the choice to be not hurtful, in fact welcoming and inclusionary. And so I I do think that we have to hold people uh, accountable for that that's the choice they're making. I also think that when you look at brands today and you look at young people and you see what they're saying about what they expect from the brands that they associate with, they are not going to stand for it. Absolutely. I mean, my 19-year-old triplets, right, they are a, a different group of people than we were. They have friends who uh, transitioned in high school. They never met, met you know, skipped a beat about uh, how to accept that and incorporate that person's new or emerged identity. And they're not going to accept when people, whether they're comedians or tennis shoe companies, right, are kind of being left and acting backwards about this. Absolutely. I mean, I guess I look at, I just look at both things where it's, uh, of course, like, why put more cruelty into the world? But then also at the end of the day, you're a service provider. I'm a service provider. Don't you want to be the best at providing that service so that folks come back? Like, don't you want to be telling the kind of jokes on stage that folks come back to hear the next stuff that you write? Don't you want to be an inclusive uh, service provider so that folks return? Like, I mean, I I think when we're talking about um, why it's important to stay current, part of it is like, so your business doesn't fail, you know? And I think we, that's the cynical side. Like the other side is like, be a good person or be a good organization. But I think talking about the cynical side is a good way of keeping folks motivated who maybe don't have a strong internal compass. Well, we've seen that, (laughs) right, 30 or 40% of young people say they would just quit a product that they don't think aligns with their values. And I think that number's only going up. And so I always use the shoe companies. It's like, if if, if they say to you, hey, we want you to wear our shoes. Now young people say, hey, and I expect you to go with me where I walk in them, right? You don't get to just be on my feet because I'm actually a billboard for you. And I want my personal values to align with we, – we've taught people to think that way. And so now they, they're they actually doing it. And I also want to say, look – I mean, It's Planned an interesting use of capitalism. I'll Planned, say that. At right, the very least, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a way yeah. of redirecting capitalism in a positive direction. You know, and Planned Parenthood, I, I just want to be clear, isn't perfect, right? No, no organization is. But I do think what, what I love about working there and why I can come on this show and talk so proudly about what we do and how we try to do it is – when we find something that we don't think we're doing well enough, we really work hard to fix it. And so, again, our website, um, 
even though we were treating uh, LGBTQ patients and trans patients, um, it, it wasn't good enough. And so we made the investment of both the time and the money to be able to provide something that really was worthy of our values. That I that is that is I'm so glad that you said that because it is hard. You know, again, I'm like a human. I'm talking about your organization in such a positive way, and I want to feel like my ass is covered. You know, I want to feel <laughs> right. like I can uh, back that up, and I think that is that's kind of something that that I say even at the beginning of this show that you're on right now, which is that like there are gonna there might be some words that pop up that you don't that you don't agree with, and like. This is a conversation that's continuing. You should have it in your community. You should have it with your friends. You should let me know if there's something that feels wrong. But, like, maybe we need um, some elasticity or some patience as we call out the things that don't feel right and work to improve those things. One of the great things that um, happened in the last few years was some of our friends in the reproductive justice community said to Planned Parenthood, we're feeling some erasedness because of, A, your bigness, and when you adopt something, even if it's something we really came up with and, you know, put into the world, you are the people who get notice for it and get the credit and things. But what I loved about how they did it is I felt like it was as much a calling in as a calling out. And so I really have adopted this idea um, that, if we try to orient around calling people in rather than out, we're going to get more from them. And, and certainly that that's a way to say, we want you to do better. We want to help you do better. Uh, and the women of color in the reproductive justice community, you know, that's, that's what they did. And I think uh, people in the LGBTQ community have done that as well. And again, mostly like, hey, here's a way you can do better. Oh, thank you. Right. And and that's how we have to receive that information, too. Yeah. The thank you. The thank you is really important, especially um, for communities that have, like, been long silenced. Silence. Trying to work. Right. Trying to work on that. Thank you is, is very, very important. You and I are two white people talking yes. to each other about how important that thank you is. And yeah. that seems really true. I want to clarify one thing. When you say re- reproductive justice, can you define that term yeah. a little bit? For reproductive for justice uh, really goes beyond just the uh, existence of rights and access of specific services, right, in terms of like the reproductive health services, to talk about being able to decide when and if to have children and then that you have the right and ability to raise them in communities that are safe and um, that, you know, it's a broader idea um, of how reproductive health rights fit into a justice frame that are well beyond getting pregnant or not getting pregnant. And it was um, basically an idea and a way of thinking about these issues that was put forth by women of color uh, several decades ago and that I, I think is the the big idea that is winning the world, right? It's the right idea for the world, and we just need to make sure that um, the we're constantly lifting that up and also lifting up where it came from. Yeah, 
Yeah, you can't don't don't forget your sources. Don't yeah, don't you right. uh, don't you right, shut you them down. You can't pass. I tell my kids you can't pass college if you can't write good sources. That's hundred percent true. We can't pass uh, the test for our work if we can't remember the sources, and we're richer for it, right? Because those roots mean something. They tell us things about what's wrong with the world and about the limitations of how we've been conceiving of it and thinking of it and siloing it. And so um, there's power in that. It's not just like, to your point, just the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, but it, it actually the good thing to do, the smart thing to do. Yeah, especially if you're investing in caring about a community that then is going to turn to you for care. Like yeah. it does it, you know, t- to to continue that circle of trust. Exactly. You have to uh, reinvest and, you know, listen um, and lift up. This is, first of all, I just want to say, you you are uh, great at extemporaneous answers first thing in the AM. So really good job. I know that's I know that's your job. Get me after another cup of coffee and it'll get really exciting. <laughs> I, I felt like it. I felt like you had, you were on it. And I wanted to ask you like more about your human self, but then we just like started on this whole thing. And guess what? Like we're almost out of time. Right. So. We really maybe just, I could come back sometime. Maybe you can come back sometime. We'll get to know each other better as people. But I want to thank you for the work that you do. I am, um, you know, one thing that happened when I hosted that dinner where we we had met in passing, um, which was like a Planned Parenthood uh, National Organization Awards ceremony, um, was that there were a bunch of providers there, and it was really I have done like other kind of regional things, but what was cool was just seeing like it was the whole it was providers from across the country. There was there were folks from the affiliate in Colorado that had just survived that year, um, and I know also some folks did not um, an attack by a gunman, and it and like seeing those folks um, just the resilience, the resilience, yeah, and also just like meeting them, like knowing what their faces yeah. look like, and. And um, hearing why they do their work, I just think that, like I started the beginning of this conversation, this is a really logical organization. This is an organization that we all need. And I will continue to uh, be with you and also register my disbelief that anybody could disagree with the logic of providing the care that you already provide and that folks really need from you. So – I'm there. Thank you so, so much. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about the work and for, again, being there as a a champion and a friend to this organization. And particularly, thank you for your noticing of especially our clinicians because, again, they are the uh, heart of the organization in terms of uh, every day, you know, after that uh, terrible situation in Colorado – all of those clinicians, that very next morning, they showed up at all those health centers across Colorado and across this country, and they opened the doors, and there were people waiting for them. And um, that's what that's what it's about. And but we have to make it so it is uh, safer and fairer and uh, even less judgmental in this country, yes. so that they can keep doing that work, and more people can do that work, and more people can get that care. It's just people going to work. It's just people going to get care. At the end of the day, that's all that it is. It's not anything more um, abstract than that. So uh, before I uh, send you off into the rest of your day, I just want to ask you to shout out a queero 
which is somebody that made you feel comfortable and the person that you are. It can also be like an organization or a place. Thank you. Well, there are so many uh, great choices. I'm sure everyone who comes on your show says that it's like almost impossible to pick. But I'm going to pick somebody who actually inspires me still every day. She did back 20 years ago, and she still does every day, and that's Urvashi Vat. And uh, Urvashi is a uh, LGBTQ leader, a woman of color. She was the head of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force. She's an author. She's been the uh, chair of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund board. She is just as smart a thinker and a um, doer, and she she never gives less than like 180%, right? It's unbelievable. And she's married to a great comedian, also Kate Clinton. Oh. So I have to say she's— What a dream uh, couple. You know, they're, they're pretty amazing, and they're just as dedicated and show me how to be an activist over the long haul. Right, and to never lose that That's fire. That's really important. And to find new and different and um, wonderful ways to keep contributing. Ah, oh, I love that. Don, look, thanks. Have loves, a great rest loves. of your day. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here 